On today's edition of the Locked On Nets podcast, we continue to break down the best net of the 2010s bracket. We covered Joe Harris, Darren Williams, D'Angelo Russell, and so many more. Keep listening. Coming up on Locked On Nets. You are Locked On Nets, your daily Brooklyn Nets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. On the other side of this bracket, I'm actually going to start with this one myself. It's Joe Harris against Torian Prince, uh, the five against the 28. And before you guys even get into it, I just need to uh, drop some numbers about Torian Prince here. Uh, (laughs) His offensive rating this season, 94, uh, worst of his career. His free throw rate. The worst of his career. His true shooting percentage, under 50%, the worst of his career. His steal percentage and his block percentage, the worst of his career. His win shares, the worst of his career. His box plus minus, the worst of his career. He has a negative VORP, which is value over replacement player, meaning he is below average. That is also the worst of his career. Josh, he has been extremely frustrating to watch, especially uh, when compared to his teammate, the guy who he's going up against, Joe Harris, one of the most consistent nets. Uh, on the team right now and of this decade. Yeah, I hate uh, Torian. I love Beef Jerky Joe. (laughs) (laughs) That Beef Jerky Joe gets the nod. Drexler, any thoughts on Torian Prince before we cast him aside? I just think Torian, like, first of all, the reason why he's on the Nets is because he's a friend of of Kevin. Um, So that's the first reason why I think he's here. But two... When we signed him or traded for him, it was, all right, we want to develop him. Hopefully, like, he's going to be a really good defensive player, and if he can knock down somewhat of a consistent three ball, he'll be serviceable offensively. But he's been below average, I would say, defensively. I don't even think he's that good on that side of the floor. And, two, on offense, he, he may be the biggest liability of a net I've watched all season and going back a couple of years as well. Um, so Joe Harris, he, he's been a godsend for the Nets and what also he's meant of developing players, guys that were cut and, and found a home with the Nets and have turned into a really good player. Uh, so this is a no contest. Uh, I'm surprised Torian Prince even made the bracket, so to speak. Yeah. I think it's just because like all of his shots are threes, so he doesn't need quite as many to, to barely crack into here, but yeah, he like refuses to take it too. So, uh, here we are. Uh, Okay, Joe Harris moves on. He will face the winner of 12-seed Damari Carroll against number 21, Allen Anderson. Uh, Josh, I know Allen Anderson was part of your favorite uh, alliteration lineup. Is that right? Oh, the alliteration lineup was really good. Uh, (laughs) Not think of anyone else on it right now. uh, (laughs) I think Bogdanovich, right? Yeah, Bogdanovich, Pierce. I forget who the center was. A couple others. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) Johnson was in there, I think, as, as another wing. Um, so, yeah, I mean, Anderson was a good story because he was a guy that was basically out of the league, was on Toronto for a couple seasons and had some nice success there as a 3 and D guy, came to the Nets and was decent. I mean, his three ball was never as good as you'd want it to be for someone of his archetype, but he was a very solid player for them uh, on in a couple playoff runs um, as a guy who was just basically, like, spotting up, not taking a ton off the table, being a solid defender who would get into someone's jersey. But Damari Carroll, um, I think I have to go with him because, you know, he did have a good amount of success with the Nets. Uh, he had he had a really good playoffs against Philly, correct me if I'm wrong. 
Uh, he struggled shooting the ball, but uh, just like his presence out there, yeah, he was like helpful. Him. Or maybe he did have a bad. It was either one of the. He, well, he was. He he didn't really play out well. I remember Jared Dudley at one point. Mets fans wanted him to start over DMC. Yes. Okay. No. Now I remember he was just missing every three. Never mind. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But he was a solid contributor. Um, the 2017-2018 season for the Nets, he was solid, and then that second season. He didn't have a great year shooting the ball, but he did have a couple of high-scoring games. I think set his career high in back-to-back games of like 23 and 25. Um, I think him, of him fondly as a net, also because he killed the Nets in that uh, 1-8 matchup when he was on Atlanta. He was like dominant. Remember, he was kind of the fifth guy in that starting lineup, and he was shooting like 60 or 70% from the floor and averaging 17 points a game. And that was really the main reason why the Nets weren't able to make the series any closer than the 4-2 that it ended up being. So... I have a lot of fondness for Damari and think he's a good player, so I'll give him the nod over AA. Trexler, what do you think? Yeah, I'm I'm gonna give it to to Damari Carroll. I think I'm taking more into consideration kind of the off the floor impact and the symbolism more so than the on the floor as maybe you two are. But I also look at Damari Carroll as the Nets were such a young team with with D'Angelo and Spencer and and Karis and Jared Allen and all these guys, Ronnie Ellis Jefferson, that you're trying to honestly teach how to win games because all those guys kind of either weren't in the NBA or on bad teams their whole whole careers. And I just feel like he brought some veteran leadership, stability, and, and kind of taught those guys how to be pros. Um, so that's kind of why I, I like Damari Carroll as a net. And, and he, he, he was, a, he was a, good, uh, a good symbol for that organization, I would say. Yeah, and, and to your point, Trexler, his first year, uh, he started all 73 of the games he played with the team. The second year, he only started eight, but there were never any complaints, anything like that. He always like accepted his role, his like transition to the bench. And I think that that probably at least partially helped uh, because the Nets currently have like three guards who can't all start uh, in Levert, Dinwiddie, and Kyrie. So someone's got to come off the bench. I think probably seeing a guy like that, uh, a veteran who uh, has been to the conference finals, uh, with that Hawks team that Josh mentioned, like a guy who's been around for a while, willing to kind of take a step back for the good of the team, uh, definitely left an imprint. And like you mentioned, Drexler, uh, him, Dudley, Ed Davis definitely helped build that culture that was so popular uh, around the league last year in Brooklyn. So Carroll will advance unanimously. That is the first half of our uh, first round of this bracket. So let's head over to the other side. Let me tell you about one of the ultimate life hacks. It's hard to find the time to sit down and read and learn more. When you don't have free time, you can't read or work on personal development. Now, there's an incredible app that solves this problem, and I highly recommend it. It's called Blinkist. Blinkist is a really unique app, and it works on your phone, tablet, or web browser. It takes the best key takeaways, the need-to-know information from thousands of nonfiction books, and condenses them down into just 15 minutes that you can read or listen to. Successful people like business leaders are well-known for reading a lot of books. Blinkist is made for busy people like you and me who want to get the main points of a book quickly so you can start using that information right away. And with its audio feature, Blinkist makes it easy to finish a book during your commute, on your lunch break, or while you exercise. 12 million people are using Blinkist right now, and it has a massive and growing library from self-help, business, health, to history books. Blinkist has the latest titles from bestseller lists, as well as the classic nonfiction titles you always meant to read but never had time to. With Blinkist, you get unlimited access to read or listen to a massive library of condensed nonfiction books. All the books you want, and all for one low price. 
Right now, for a limited time, Blinkist has a special offer just for our audience. Go to Blinkist.com NBA, try it free for seven days, and you'll save 25% off your new subscription. That's Blinkist, B-L-I-N-K-I-S-T, Blinkist.com NBA to start your free seven-day trial. And you'll also save 25% off, but only when you sign up at Blinkist.com NBA. We've got two seed Darren Williams taking on number 31 seed Isaiah Whitehead, uh, who managed to sneak his way into this bracket. Uh, Drexler, this is no contest, right? But do you have anything to say about Whitehead before we uh, send him on his way? I don't think I'm really going to speak about Whitehead. I, I just feel like <laughs> like Isaiah, one, one thing I will say is I'm surprised he made the bracket. Yeah. But I'm also surprised that Darren Williams was seated as a two seed. Um, he's going to advance this round, but I wouldn't be shocked at an early exit for Darren Williams. Mm-hmm. Ooh, I like it. Josh, anything on Isaiah Whitehead? Uh, well, first on the D-Wolf part, I agree that he could be primed for an upset. Uh, you know, the, the Cyclone was okay. I think he was someone that people <laughs> liked because he was a Brooklyn guy, uh, played for Seton Hall, so slightly local um, but really just didn't have chops to make it in the NBA. I do think fondly of him because I had a job interview once and two of the senior executives were Seton Hall guys. So I had to talk up Whitehead like he was some great player uh, in <laughs> Seton Hall days. But other than that, nothing really on IW. Yeah, uh, pretty low impact for him. Uh, I'll save the D-Will stuff because he advances, so we'll be able to talk about him in a little bit. Uh, he will be going against the winner of another Tight matchup seed-wise, we have 15 seed Thad Young taking on 18 Sean Kilpatrick, a.k.a. Killmagic. Uh, Josh, what are your thoughts on this one? Yeah, so I I actually really love Thaddeus Young's tenure as a net. Remember, um, they gave up KG and got him, which ended up working fabulously. And then when they sent him off, they traded him for the pick that became Karis LeVert. So on his way in, his way out, he really exceeded expectations. And as a player, he was really good. You know, he... Brought some defensive stability, decent enough scorer, uh, could crash the glass a little bit. Was a pretty good fit alongside Brook Lopez for his because of his agility, uh, and he was a, a really nice stabilizing force for the Nets in what was otherwise kind of a disappointing era for them. Um, and I think, listen, he was actually one of the main reasons why they even got that eight seed in the 14-15 season was his um, really kind of standout play for them and probably one of their most valuable guys. Um, all things considering going up against Kilpatrick, who was an okay scorer, but uh, just never really fit in a team setting because he was like similar to uh, Torian Prince type, just really loved to chuck, and he wasn't that great at it and couldn't bring a lot else. He had a good story being undrafted and working his way up after being a really good college player at Cincinnati. Uh, and his first season when he signed with the Nets out of the G League, he was a, a really dynamic player, but after that, it kind of all fell off and he can't really compete with that, even though seating wide, it is it is close. Yeah, Drex, do you agree with that? I'm I do I do agree. I'm gonna go with Thaddeus Young, but maybe it's just me. But I I actually like Sean Kilpatrick as a net Skillpatrick or SK, mm-hmm. either of those nicknames. But the one game I'll always remember is that double OT game against the Clippers, where Kilpatrick yes, yes. dropped 38. And ever since then, I just love I, – I loved SK. He was that first – he was Sean Marks' first signing uh, as general manager. Uh, he, he was the first player he signed. So I have a soft spot for Sean Kilpatrick, but Thaddeus Young is definitely a better net. I have a great offline story about that game also. 
<laughs> okay, we'll talk later. Uh, yeah, Kilpatrick, I remember uh, his first game with the Bucks after leaving the Nets. I remember, like, paying attention to that for some reason and, like, thinking, like, oh, wow, Sean Kilpatrick moved on from the Nets. This is this is terrible. What a sad day. Uh, I, I agree with, with Drexler. I always uh, kind of liked him. But Thad Young, uh, only 101 games as a net over a season and a half, but 10th in rebounds, 8th in steals for the decade. Definitely made an impact. Uh, like you mentioned, Josh, led them to the playoffs in 2015, uh, put up two double-doubles in that series, even though they lost. So he was a guy who was like contributing, I think, just at a higher level than Kilpatrick. Uh, so he will move on to the second round. Next up, Drexler. This is probably pretty tough for you. If I remember correctly, you're a big Devin Harris guy. He's going to be taking on D'Angelo Russell, who you're also a big fan of. So start us off here. What do you think? When I saw the bracket... And I saw D'Angelo <laughs> and Devin Harris matched up in the first round. I, I, I it just killed me because these, honestly, like growing up, Devin Harris was one of my favorite, if not my favorite NBA player of all time. Like I, I loved Devin Harris as a kid, and now in this whole new Nets era, I, I also fell in love with D'Angelo Russell. So this, this is, this is probably the toughest decision that I have to make. I just think with Devin Harris, he was just always on such bad Nets teams um, that D'Angelo is going to get the nod because of what he he was the poster child of of this whole Nets culture of being able to come here and resurrect your career, led the Nets to the playoffs. Um, so I, I think D'Angelo is going to get the nod for me. But man, th- th- this it kills me that I have to take out Devin Harris in round one. <laughs> Josh, what do you think? Yeah, super close one for me as well. I mean, I wasn't a D'Lo fan when the Nets acquired him in his first season, but, you know, he really won me over last year, and, and the season the Nets had certainly was magical. It's tough for him that he's going up against kind of a, a sleeping giant in Devin Harris because think about Devin Harris's tenure with the Nets. If it had started a few seasons later and instead of his first getting traded to the Nets in like 07, it was 09, he would be, instead of a 26 seed, basically like a five seed because of the mm-hmm. impact he's had on the team. And like uh, when they first got him, he was basically on fire. I mean, he was someone that always battled injuries, but had a really great 47-point outburst against Phoenix. Obviously, uh, his signature moment, I think one of my favorite moments in Nets history, not if not my favorite, was um, Iguodala hits the free throw to put Philly up by one. Devin Harris gets the inbounds, basically throws it against Iguodala, gets blocked catches it, flings it up from beyond half court and hits the buzzer beater. One of the most insane plays in NBA history. Um, And for me, Devin Harris did everything you could ask for. He was a really solid starting point guard for the Nets, got the all-star nod like D'Lo, and then uh, he still had enough value to be shipped off to Utah for uh, in kind of the co-lead of a package for for Darren Williams alongside Derek Favors. So, and, and think about how excited I was when I, when we got Darren Williams like a lot of that was because of what Devin Harris did. Obviously, the D-Will thing didn't work out, but Devin Harris was an incredible net, and they have to advance him past D-Lo. Yeah, I, I think that's a good point, Josh, about uh, being traded for for D-Will and kind of looking at him fondly because of that. It's the same thing, like you mentioned, with Thad Young being traded for the pick that became Karis LeVert. I feel like those kinds of guys, like I, I know Knicks fans kind of feel similarly about like a Raymond Felton or a Timofey Mozgov, like, uh, and those guys, obviously, not as good as, as Devin Harris was in his prime. He made an all-star team. But, like, when a guy is part of a trade package that, like, brings you a star, you kind of, like, appreciate that guy who went out as, like, 
thank you for doing your part. Like, <laughs> wish you could help see this next era. Like, kind of what D'Lo ironically wound up becoming with the Nets uh, having to, like, sacrifice him to get uh, Kyrie and KD or on this Kenny. current Nets team. <laughs> or Kenny, you said. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, we'll see what they bring in as the, as the coach. Uh, yeah, but uh, Devin Harris, unfortunately, this is best net of the 2010s, like you said, Josh, because he only played 54 games with the Nets this decade. Uh, but that being said, he was 15 and seven and a half in those oh, 54 games. That, that's um, definitely another good point. The fact that I, I was also, <laughs> for Devin Harris, I was also thinking of like 2008, 2009. All right. Now mm-hmm. I make, now I feel a lot better knocking him out considering the, the parameters of, of this voting. Yeah. Yeah. If, if this was uh, <laughs> best net of the I'm 2000s, thinking. you know, I'm just it's a different conversation, but you know, uh, yeah, so, so D'Lo will advance. Uh, unfortunate Devin Harris has to go. But yeah, most of his Nets tenure was in the, the decade prior to the 2010s. Not sure what to call that. The aughts, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, anyway, <laughs> uh, moving on <laughs> to our, for another podcast. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll do a separate pod on that bonus episode. <laughs> uh, our next one, we have Jared Allen, the 10 seed current net, taking on uh, the 23 seed Marshawn Brooks, a.k.a. Starshawn. Josh, do you want to start us off here? Yes, big star Sean guy. Uh, loved him <laughs> in Providence and then loved him his first season with the Nets. Dynamic score. I was extolling his virtues uh, to Josh Lloyd on Lockdown NBA a couple weeks ago. Go check out that episode. Uh, had one of He was an electric scorer, uh, modeled his game after Kobe. Um, didn't shoot the ball as well, but had a ton of potential. And obviously his signature moment comes from being the guy to throw the alley-oop pass to Gerald Green when he did his uh, windmill dunk and one of the best alley-oops ever. Um, but he's going up against Jared Allen, who also has a ton of highlights in his own right. The block king, uh, the Afro god, the computer scientist, and Jared <laughs> a bunch of good seasons with the Nets gives him the nod for me uh, over Marshawn, who really struggled in his second season. Um, once, I think, I think that was Avery's first season, once he got settled in, just didn't jive well with what the Nets were doing there. Uh, or that was Avery's last season. With He didn't jive with P.J. Carlissimo, uh, kind of got kicked out of the rotation and uh, traded to Boston as part of the KG Pierce trade that offseason, kind of unceremoniously bounced around the league and, and in China. Yeah, Drex, so do you have any warm, fuzzy feelings for Marshawn? I, I loved watching Marshawn Brooks uh, that first year when, when they were still the New Jersey Nets before they moved to Brooklyn. Um, he had kind of those games again, kind of like similar to Andre Blatch, a little stint, maybe his was shorter, a couple of weeks where it was just like, all right, Marshawn, let's, let's go. I know you're going to drop 15, 20 tonight and, uh, and you'll be one of our biggest sources of offense. But I'm, I'm surprised that his NBA career, um, didn't pan out to be what I thought it was going to be, especially after his rookie season. Um, but going up against Jared Allen is kind of no contest, but um, definitely some some good memories with Marshawn Brooks. Yeah, I, I was rooting for his uh, Grizzlies comeback a couple years ago. Uh, kind of came out of nowhere, but I, it, he like played really well for like the last, I want to say like 15 or so games for right. Memphis, and then they brought him back the next year. Uh, yeah, I was rooting for Marshawn. Yeah, old Dylan Brooks thing, and then they're like, no, yes. we don't want Marshawn, which sucks for him because he's the man. Yeah. Uh, only 31 yeah he he still has time maybe he makes a comeback at some point or or plays overseas somewhere um all right so jared allen moves on uh in the last quarter of the first round of this bracket now we will have 
three seed Joe Johnson taking on 30th seed Rody Kurutz, a current net. Um, this one probably not close, but uh, Drexler, what do you think here? Um, this this one is is probably an easy easy pick. I love ISO Joe. He's moving on to the next round, but but Kurutz, he he's like he's that player that just forces his way onto everything. I'm surprised to see him on this bracket as well. Like, when he's in a game, he's just going to – I have the ball, like, I'm going to the hoop. Like, I don't care what the play is called. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm scoring. I, I'm going to take my own shot. And uh, <laughs> so it's, it's kind of fun to watch that mentality from, from Kurooks. I think that's kind of why he's been successful as a, as a second-round pick and still um, some, some fans want to see him back in the regular rotation – um, before the season obviously was suspended, um, but Joe Johnson is getting the pick for me over Rody. Yeah, Josh, what are your your Rody thoughts as we stand right now? Well, you could also make a very off color joke about Rody based on uh, uh, what what Drex just said about. I, I didn't even think of that. Now I now I feel like a terrible <laughs> person. <laughs> yeah, we'll steer clear of that. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah Joe gets the, the easy nod here. Uh, it is unfortunate for Kurks because. You know, he's someone that I really like. Anyone who listens to his podcast knows that I'm a big fan of his. But he did some great work last year, especially as a, a rookie second-round pick. Unfortunately, things haven't broken well for him this year, but I still think he does have some potential long-term in this league. Unfortunately, scoring is not a strong suit of his. So uh, even if he kind of were in the rotation this year, he'd probably only be a 27 or 28 seed. And he's just going to go up against someone who's much uh, more prolific than him in those senses. So I have a lot of fondness for him but can't compete against J.J. in this first-round matchup. Yeah, Joe Johnson just so uh, clutch and so consistent, uh, whereas Kuruks is uh, partially because of uh, the coaching and the minutes he's gotten, very inconsistent. Uh, he was in the doghouse earlier in the season, has like s- started to show signs of maybe uh, working his way back into the rotation before the season was suspended. But yeah, he- he's just kind of like an energy effort guy right now, maybe... Maybe in the 2020s, he's a higher seed in this bracket. Who knows? Uh, but for right now, he is out. So that wraps up part two of this podcast. Uh, as you can tell, it is a long one. Uh, we will wrap up the first round on tomorrow's podcast, and we'll get into round two, the Sweet 16. In the meantime, if you are looking for even more locked-on content, tell your smart device to play the most recent episode of Rejecting the Screen. Heard it's a good one. Have a great day, and we will be back in your ears tomorrow.